Hello everyone, it's just me this morning, February 15th, Tuesday, it's about 7.45am, uh, I just made myself a cup of coffee, lit a stick of incense, and I pulled a card from the Osho Zen tarot deck, if you follow my uh, Instagram stories, I post this deck fairly often. Um, I use it like an oracle deck because, uh, the only, like, tarot system that I really follow is Rider Waite, and this doesn't really follow Rider Waite, so, yeah, I just pulled one today, and I pulled a card called Rebirth, and on the card we see just billowing clouds covering up a camel, and on top of that camel is a lion morphing out of the camel's back. And then outside of the lion, there is a child coming out of the chi uh, the lion's back and the child's playing a flute. And the card is called Rebirth. And I will read an excerpt for you. There are three levels of camel, lion, and child. The camel is sleepy, dull, self-satisfied. He lives in delusion, thinking he's a mountain peak, but really he's so concerned with others' opinions that he hardly has any energy of his own. Emerging from the camel is the lion. When we realize we've been missing life, we start saying no to the demands of others. We move out of the crowd, alone and proud, roaring our truth, but this is not the end. Finally, the child emerges, neither acquiescent nor rebellious, but innocent and spontaneous and true to his being. Whatever the space you're in right now, sleepy and depressed or roaring and rebellious, be aware that it will evolve into something new if you allow it. It is a time of growth and change. Now, as usual, I always pick the card that I need, um, and I trust the universe in that way, as many of us do. I just kind of leave it to chance, and I let a card fall out. And um, it has me thinking a little bit about community, and how I've historically accepted uh, the people in my proximity as community. And I realized that I've had a lot of those lion moments where I rebel from my quote-unquote community because they weren't really my community. They were just people around me. And, uh, and so for the past year or so, as many of you guys know, I've isolated from everyone. I moved away from my hometown. Um, and I have yet to rebuild community. And I think it's because I wasn't ready. Uh, what I really needed was some time to sort my inner world out, to sort out my inner camel. <laughs> and, um, you know, we've been hearing this all over the place, inner child work and shadow work and things like that. Um, and we've also heard this a lot for the past couple years, healing is not linear. And it's really not. Um, there are so many levels to healing and trauma 
and I'm moving into a space where I no longer want to uh, associate myself with my trauma. I no longer want to have to make concessions for my trauma. Uh, I'm ready to be in a space where the parts of my life that happened simply happened. Nothing more, nothing less. History, written in a book. That doesn't color my uh, approach to everyday interaction. And the really interesting part about this is, much like this card uh, is shrouded in clouds, I feel like we subconsciously shroud ourselves in clouds because sometimes it's too difficult to see in the sunlight and sometimes it's hard to come to terms with the fact that we are nuanced and that we can be a villain in someone else's story, that we can be a villain in our own story, that perhaps we've been holding ourselves back all along. That's really difficult to deal with. And, you know, I want to be as candid as possible. I feel that a lot of my life I've spent waiting to live, you know, waiting to get this degree, waiting to get my license, waiting to make enough money to move out, waiting, waiting, waiting. And all the while having no plan and just kind of jumping from spontaneous experience to spontaneous experience and so for many years I had felt this inner rush of having to catch up and I still feel it to this day right because that's the nature of comparing yourself to other people or comparing yourself to an ideal that may not even exist right And it's, uh, it's interesting to be on a path that most people are not on and to live a life that is not following uh, a template that we've been given. Because it's almost like we're conditioned to feel like we're failing if we're not following the template, right? And I'm sure a lot of us are in that boat, right? People, in, uh, people have been told... You know, you're married, when are you going to have kids? <laughs> or when are you going to buy a house? Or, you know, what is your career going to be? And, um, and I've spent a lot of my life trying to check off these boxes. And in the meantime, using that as the perfect excuse to ignore myself and to extinguish my inner world. All the while telling myself, I want a life of ease and peace. Yet chasing the most uneasy, tumultuous experiences, right? And, uh... <clears throat> it's just very interesting. How these, uh, approaches to life are, are encouraged. And we are actually encouraged to not know ourselves. It's almost like we are supposed to be on the back burner, right? Like the camel, trudging along. 
you know. And I see all these glimmers of each of these uh, tropes in myself, the camel, the lion, and the child. Um, and I see most specifically the lion. I feel like I historically rebel just because, you know, because it doesn't feel right to follow. And I quite like that about myself, to be honest. So I keep doing it. And um, it is tiring to fight the world, to take on all of these outside forces as a way to ignore, excuse me, as a way to ignore the kind of inner war that's been bubbling for years, you know? And I find myself in a space where I really realized after moving, it's really not the location that determines any of it, that determines any of your joy or happiness. It is all within. And like, yes, I know you guys all know this, but it's so different to know something conceptually and to actually experience it. Like, I remember just sitting one day in my living room, right? For many years, I just like, didn't have a living room. And to sit in this like home with so many windows and like feel, I got like exactly what I wanted, right? I wanted windows, I wanted sunlight, I wanted elevation. And that's exactly what I got and I'm so grateful for it. And then as I realized this takes a new level of independence, I started to fall into those patterns of what's wrong with this situation? What do I need to do that's new? Don't get me wrong. My situation is not perfect. Um, and there are some real issues where I am right now, but there's always going to be issues, right? And... Um, I think that before I was able to really build community, I needed to realize the pattern within myself of seeking unhappiness, seeking dissatisfaction, because I, my world is reflecting the inner world, right? And I often don't want to talk about the kind of negative feelings I have because I don't want to glamorize it. I don't want to associate with it. But I also realize that it's reality and, um, you know, part of my masking, and we've talked about this before, one huge part of my masking is this kind of idea of professionalism and, and being seen as a person who can... Uh, get things done and a, a, an intelligent person whatever like all of these masks that I put on but also there's a positivity mask right because we hear a lot from our favorite people that it's unsightly to be sad that you know you gotta go deal with that on your own kind of thing um, and I see the point but I also see how it can be a little dismissive because when you're in that bad place to hear, well, you better figure it out on your own. 
Um, sometimes that's not super helpful because if we didn't learn the coping mechanisms as children, how are we actually going to deal with it on our own? What does that mean? It's just so fuzzy when you say it like that. For some people, dealing with it on your own means seeking a professional, going to a therapist, that kind of thing. Uh, that's not typically the route I pursue because I have had issues with those kind of professionals in the past. That's not to generalize and say I would never uh, seek, I don't know, therapy in that way, but I do know that I've had to mask in front of therapists. <laughs> that I could feel the line of, oof, if I say this thing, there are going to be consequences outside of this room. Right? Because rightfully so, those professionals are bound to uh, a code of ethics, which means that if they deem something a danger, someone a danger to others or themselves, they have to, you know, notify the appropriate people. So in that case, it's quite uncomfortable to be perfectly candid with someone, not because I actually feel those things, but because sometimes I just say things, right? Like, sometimes I say the thing that sounds extreme so I can quell the feeling. And a lot of it I'm realizing has to do with something, some switch happened between my teens and my early 20s where I just stopped daydreaming. I stopped visualizing. And I used to daydream all the time, right? I still kind of leave my body all day. I feel like I'm never attached to my body. But I don't daydream. I live in this tornado of worry, I guess. Some kind of programmed mental anguish that doesn't even make sense all the time, I'm going to be honest. Um, but it does feel like I can get lost in it, lost in this wave of emotion. And we also know that sometimes we'll seek emotions that are not uh, healthy for us because we're used to them and they're comfortable, right? The devil we know. And so I've been exploring this idea of why did I stop daydreaming? What happened? And I don't quite know yet, but I do know I used to do this thing. I'm sure other people did this too. Tell me if you did. Where before bed, excuse me, before bed, you would lay in this kind of state of half sleep where you're literally generating a story, creating a story, right? And mine used to always be something silly, like, I don't know, I'd, I'd get famous or something and, and, and move to LA and get swept away by this you know, glamorous world, right? Or other things like just little novellas in my head every night, right? And it would continue. So the next night, I would continue where I left off. And where I left off would be like, you know, where I fell asleep. And <clears throat> not that any of these things came to fruition, but this was my teenage self opening up to the idea that we have this inner power. 
And something in my adulthood just turned that whole thing off. I'm trying to find it again. And um, it is connected to the innocence of childhood, to the ability to let go. So I'll read a little more about this rebirth card. <clears throat> when a lion roars in front of a mirror, do you think the mirror roars? Or when the lion is gone and a child comes dancing, the mirror completely forgets about the lion and starts dancing with the child. Do you think the mirror dances with the child? The mirror does nothing. It simply reflects. Your consciousness is only a mirror. Neither do you come nor do you go. Things come and go. You become young, you become old. You are alive, you are dead. All of these states are simply reflections of an eternal pool of consciousness. <clears throat> now, this sounds to me like a little bit like the universal washing machine, right? Where wherein lies all of the mess and beauty of a collective experience experienced piece by piece fragment by fragment being by being right until it returns to the larger puzzle to share to learn about itself right because we're the universe experiencing itself And, you know, that gets me thinking about a lot of things, right? Like, what is it that I'm here to experience? What do I want to experience? Why do I want to experience it? And the why is always the hardest for me to answer, but it tends to be the most important, right? Why do you want recognition? Because you weren't recognized in your childhood? because you're in this confusing state of being praised when it was convenient and being shunned when you became bothersome, when you challenged someone, right? Why? Why do we want success? What is success? Right? Can't success just be existing on a piece of property where you have access to food, water, and a community? Isn't that all we really need? But somehow we've been convinced that life itself is not good enough. <laughs> and uh, and I think it's a, it's kind of like the movies, right? When you see this beautiful romantic, like gesture in a movie and you experience it in real life it's quite different it's not worse or better it's just different and so we will when we get these things that we say we want and they're a little different sometimes I can kind of like knock the wind out of our sails right and it's the expectation that kind of taints the thing.
And then I realized I traded out visualization for to-do lists. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> excuse me, did not do my voice exercises this morning. We trade that in for uh, to-do lists and goals, and goals are great, you know? I am a Capricorn Moon and Rising. Goals are great. <laughs> but we can't let that take away from the joy of just experiencing your mind, right? I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling a bit. There's a central theme here. I just really felt like I needed to talk this morning. And I needed to talk to the people who, hmm, who've been experiencing this inner confusion, which is quite reflective of the outer confusion we're living in, right? Some days it feels like, you know, we're on the precipice of a free and beautiful existence. And then other times it seems like, wow, what if we don't make it out of this week? <laughs> you know, but this is the mind of extremes. Uh, let's see, how can I elaborate on this? I, my Mercury is in Scorpio in the ninth house. And um, sometimes we're just a little melodramatic, I'm not going to lie. Um, but I realize it's the interpretation of a feeling. And I have many feelings that my mind interprets as possibly incorrect things, right? So I've been trying to stop myself when I have a feeling. I've been trying to pinpoint it in my body, right? What is the actual sensation? And this is a way of me finding my body again, because for the majority of my life, it's just not really even existed. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it wasn't even a factor. Not that I wasn't, um, like, taking care of myself or anything, but it was secondary to my mind, which was running uh, running rampant, rampant with no regulation whatsoever. <clears throat> so that allowed me to get to this point where I could destroy any moment just with my mind, which is an amazing power when you objectively see it, you know, and when you see what it can do for you. And my husband has said this for years. He's like, you can just walk into a room and if you are not feeling it, everyone will know. Not because of your words, not because of your actions, it's just your energy. And I know I do that. I just didn't know that I knew. And I know that I do that because I've done it on purpose many times when I've been like, you know what? I don't like this situation. Let's just ruin it. <laughs> Let me just ruin it with my eyes. And um, I think this is what happens when you're given a power without 
connecting to yourself. You use it to lash out. Instead of using it to heal. And I haven't figured out how to use power to heal yet. I've just been riding the wave. And that's been so freeing. Because I have spent an entire life trying to control every aspect. As if I knew what was good for me. If I, as if I knew what was best for me, I should say. How naive, how silly. How could I know what's best for me when I can only see now, you know? I have, I have yet to overcome my point of view in this third dimensional space, right? If I had the ability to zoom out and see all of time as a shape. Then it would make things a little easier, right? Because I just follow the line of the shape, right? This is my shape. This is the shape I exist in. And as we zoom out, we see that shape is fractal. And this is why we can experience different realities, right? Different points in the fractal. The labyrinth of existence, right? It's a beautiful thing. It's a freeing thing. But yet, the ego in me, which so kindly wants to protect me, right? I have to remember, we have to remember that these are protective measures. We're trying to control things because we've historically felt out of control. And perhaps we were in many instances as children. Perhaps we were at the whim of, you know, people who may not have had our best interest at heart. Not for malicious reasons, but because of not knowing any better. Right? And I'd, I've always heard my whole life, you gotta let it go. And that meant nothing to me. <laughs> It just felt like a thing people say. You gotta let it go. You know, okay. I guess I'll let it go, whatever that means. You know, I'm not holding anything. No, I'm holding a lot. It just is not in my hands. It's in my shoulders and on my heart. And now I see it as... Maybe this is a scary example. But when I was a kid, and we would go to the beach, I would just lay and float. And my mom would yell to me, you're going too far out. You have to be careful, the ocean will take you. She would tell me that, the ocean will take you. She wasn't wrong. It almost took my brother. <laughs> when we were kids. <clears throat> but there was just this moment, right? where I was just far enough, just on the brink of being too far out, where I would always feel, it's okay if I'm taken. <laughs> I'll be fine with it. Obviously, drowning would be a bummer. <laughs> but I didn't think about that as a kid. And sometimes I think that's what letting go is. 
telling the universe, all right, I recognize your massive, amazing strength and your sense of direction. I can't even perceive where you're going, right? My mind physically, like my mind can't handle it, where the ocean is going or where it would take me. Hell, we don't even know what's at the bottom of the ocean. That's a whole different story. And so for me to exist as this fixed water sign, right? Scorpio Sun, Scorpio Mercury, Scorpio Pluto, Scorpio Midheaven, lots of Scorpio, right? The idea of letting go felt like loss, you know? How could I forget? How could I let it go? How could I let go of myself, right? These things exist in me. And I don't know about anyone else, but that's what emotions feel like for me, right? Like, I'm not even thinking of anything specific that I know of, but I feel just the rising water behind my eyes, you know? And the heat when I blink. And I feel my throat just ever so slightly tightening and my larynx raising. Which is why my voice is starting to get just a touch more hoarse. Because I'm holding on tight. And this is the holding on that I'm used to, right? Because if I let go it all lets go, you know? And I am just an avid crier. <laughs> 10 out of 10 would recommend. I'm a huge crier. And, you know, I'm one of those people that, like, needs to cry periodically. Like, it's my reset. Fixed water. You know? All that I've held on to for weeks, months, years just ekes out ever so slightly. Because really letting go, I'm still learning what it is. And I don't know if it's, you know, the like vengeful part of me that is like, well, if I let go, then such and such wins. Which is mm, not logical, right? The Capricorn part of me is like, yeah, well... Maybe, maybe we should just chill. But instead of letting go, that turns into, maybe we should just chill by taking on some task, by starting a new project, by getting work done, right? Forget all this emotional stuff. And that, see, even as I say it, oof, even as I say it, my eyes immediately cleared back up. <clears throat> my larynx lowered again, and I, my back straightened. And my mind got into work mode, and I started thinking, well, these are the reports you have to do. This is the paperwork you have to do. These are the emails you have to write. And this has been the pattern for my entire teenage to adult life. 
And, you know, as a kid, I was told a lot, what are you crying for? <laughs> you don't need to cry about that. I was a big crier. Always. Still am. Still am. But now I just, like, go to the bathroom to do it. <laughs> as if it were a shameful thing. It's not. But I conditioned myself to just push my emotional needs aside, push my inner child aside, right? We don't have time for this kid. We have things to do. And all those things that I had to do led me to a place where I never really wanted to be. And I kept telling her, you know, little Tabby, when we make enough money, we'll go on vacation. When we get the degree, we can relax. And I pushed away the creative part of me that could see, that could create the future with my mind's eye. I pushed it aside for work. And uh, now, as a person who so deeply yearns to find that creative center again, find myself humbly asking my inner child and seeing her in a corner sad because I didn't let her cry it out for a long time because I didn't let her cope the way she needed to instead of coping I just pushed everything down, down and pushing all that experience down into my root, really, into my root centers, resulted in this constant feeling of being unsafe. Because I knew I didn't trust myself. Because I knew that I was willing to push myself aside for anything and anyone else. Because I needed to find success. because I didn't feel safe and to me safety was success and in my mind safety was money safety was a career safety was a mortgage and a car note safety was a four day vacation twice a year <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> absolutely ridiculous right Meanwhile, all I really wanted to do was read books, play The Sims, <laughs> and sing, and learn music. And I didn't do any of that. But somehow, my inner child still steered me towards those directions, right? I just, I literally just fell into voice therapy. And I really like it so far, don't get me wrong. But I'm starting to see that 
the career doesn't matter. We're still at the whim of these systems, right? I was just digging myself deeper into this social matrix. I was just digging myself deeper. And I had glimmers of creativity, right? For a long time, I was a makeup artist. Uh, For a long time, writing poetry was an obsession. You know, like in high school and the beginning of college, I was like published in their papers and stuff. And it was really nice. And then I just, you know, I had been told many times that I approach work creatively from every boss I've had. But I just couldn't figure it out. What is creative about this, right? And it wasn't creativity so much as it was intuition. The one thing that I didn't have to get taught in grad school was how to build rapport with people. I can connect with almost anyone. And I'm really proud of that, right? Because I'd had many difficult clients in clinic. I might not know all the treatment options. I might not, you know, have the research at the tip of my tongue, but that I can figure out. What we can't figure out is how to connect. And I'd always been able to do that. And people thought this was a creative thing, but I didn't get it. And now I kind of get it. It's not that I was creative. It's that I had to watch. I had to watch everything and everyone because I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know when it was going to be a bad day or not, right? I had to learn to read emotion from footsteps and tones of voice. Sorry, I had to grab some water and I thought I heard something. (laughs) So I got up to make sure, right? And this is such a perfect example. It has been historically difficult for me to be myself when others are watching. And I have to think about why that is, right? Why it's so much easier to just be, you know, trademark Tabby the Mask, right? Why I had to be that? Because I feel that there's a perceptible vulnerability when I am my most me self. And that is hard for me to be in public. And all these lessons circle around, right? Safety and, you know, did you feel safe as a child? It's all childhood, right? So, you know. Even just the thought of, like, being myself here. In this vague space of audio waves. 
is daunting. Do you know how many of these I've deleted? Not of this one, but how many podcasts I have been like, you know what, that's too much. I can't share that. That's too much. But why? Why is it too much to exist? Why is my vulnerability too much? Why is my excitement too much, right? I recently experienced a kind of vague ghosting by a good friend. And then just, you know, I don't know. I don't I don't really know what happened. Um and it's fine. Like nobody needs to tell me, right? I've been in that space where I didn't want to tell someone why I was separating from them. So I just accepted it. But I still see them, right? And it's hard for me to make relationships because of my reluctance to being vulnerable. Because I have to accept the fact that sometimes that vulnerability will shed light on a part of me that might be unattractive to people. Not in like a mean way, but you know, sometimes you learn about a person and you realize, mm, we're not as aligned as I thought we were. And in an attempt to avoid pain, I typically just put on a mask, right? So that you don't see that kind of raw nerve underneath. And part of making real connections is not only showing that raw nerve, but being it existing as your imperfect self in front of someone else and letting them decide if that's something they're into or not. And that's fine, you know? Obviously, I'm not like mad at anyone who chooses to not be connected to me because I've chosen to not be connected to many people who I once was connected to. Did that sentence make sense? I hope so. (laughs) Right? So this existence is a mirror thing. Feeling this kind of silent shunning from someone who I love dearly was important for me to experience because there's the possibility that I've done this to people. The very real possibility, right? Likely, likely scenario. And I don't need closure because nobody owes me an explanation. And building community means testing out different foundations and I'm grateful 
to just have experienced someone that I really loved. And maybe I'm overthinking it and, you know. That's also a possibility that I'm overthinking it and that next week this person will call me and be like, I was just really busy, you know? <laughs> but this is kind of the thought pattern that I'd like to let people in on because I have this really good way <laughs> of making myself seen but not known, you know? And why did it feel unsafe to be known? That's what it was, right? This word, this word has been floating in my mind for the past few years, liability, right? If I make myself known, that could bite me later. If I say my real thoughts, and they are recorded. Someone might play them for me later. Hey. Nothing. I am back, and it is 2 p.m. And, you know, I ran some errands and kind of sat with these feelings for the day, um, which were noticeable. <laughs> you know. There's a lot of are you okays. And here's the thing. It's not so much that I'm like so closed off that I give people nothing. Although some people would argue against this. It's that when people ask me if I'm okay sometimes and I'm deep in this like mixture of thought and feeling. I don't really know how to respond. Because it takes me like the whole day sometimes to really get to the root of it. Because I'm releasing this pattern of pushing my feelings down because I always have because you know as I said before I was the crybaby and I was the emotional one in my home which is funny because now as an adult <laughs> when there are deeply emotional issues that come up guess who people turn to baby but this is what happens when you grow up in a house of all air signs in a Virgo <laughs> and you are the only Scorpio. It gets intense, right? You know, like America runs on Duncan, my house ran on gaslighting. Um, not that people intentionally knew what they were doing, whatever, whatever. You know, I'm not saying this from a bitter place. It just is what it is. So I'm learning how to prioritize my feelings when they come up. And sometimes that means, like, confusion. Because it's like the floodgates are opening, right? Like, okay, I'm going to allow myself to feel this thing. And all the other feelings from, you know, the early 90s are like, hey, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. We've been waiting here. And so, I expect this kind of inner tumult to continue until I really deal with the root of the issues that are coming up now, right? Because they're, they're not because of what's happening now. They're because I only know how to respond to things in the way that I was used to historically. So now as I'm retraining myself to respond differently, 
naturally that means I have to make space for those new responses. So I have to deal with all the old responses, which I'm grateful for because they protected me, right? This whole shadow thing, I feel like there's such a negative connotation with it. Um, your shadow is and was your protector always, right? So this bad rap that it gets for being like dark and negative and whatever, toxic, as they might say, uh, that was your shield. It is your shield. Not only shielding you, but your inner child, which is innocent and pure and beautiful. And so I look at the camel and the lion and the child. <sighs> yeah, I get it. To be freed from the shackles of prioritizing the opinions of others. Being freed from your anger at things you cannot change. Being freed from giving a shit about any of this stuff that is just fake, right? It's all fake. You know, and that's not to be... Whatever, I'm not disclaiming my... I'm not going to put a disclaimer on myself. It's all fake. And with that should come a joy, right? It's all fake. We're playing a game. Enjoy the game. Stop getting so caught up in the game. You know. So I'm working on that. I'm working on a lot of things, but... Moving forward, I recently, like yesterday, saw a video about the Facebook brand. So Facebook and Instagram and, uh, and also TikTok are in March starting to uh, red flag and censor astrological and I guess occult content. Um, make no mistake, this is a modern day witch hunt. And if we think that the censorship of information is going to stop on social media, mm, no, it's not. So I would advise you to download all the PDFs you can of the information that you want. Um, there are ways of doing this. I have been an avid finder of books for many years. I would say get yourself a hard drive. Uh, and look into the dead internet theory. I'm paraphrasing because I haven't seen the videos in a while. I'd love to post them. Um, goodness, what is... It's from a YouTube channel. I think it's called, like, All Time Scary. But it is a theory that the internet is not as vast as it is portrayed to us to be. And you guys remember, like, back in the early 2000s when you would go on, like, those Angel Fire websites and all those kind of beginning personal websites? So the idea is everything is on the internet forever. It's always going to be there. But now the more that we look, there are so many corrupted files and just general degradation of data. So things literally will not last, will not last forever download the books don't get me wrong I love a print book I prefer a print book to read but get what you can you know get what you can while you can if that interests you um, and like I've been saying for a while now we gotta start talking in code 
I've always been a person who's been a little bit what people call cryptic. Although, I'm starting to learn that, you know, like, the girls who get it, get it. <laughs> Some people know exactly what I'm saying. Um, and that's a really good indicator to me of, like, who I could be aligned with when someone just gets it. What I'm referencing, what I'm pointing at. Um, because I'm not in the business of hand-holding. Right, and maybe that's because I never felt that my hands were held in learning information, and that I always, like, done it myself. Um, but I can tell when people are just kind of unwilling to do the most minimal legwork, and that is like a huge turnoff for me. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna have to start talking in code. We're gonna have to like just start. <laughs> Sending people in multiple directions, right? I heard a story once about, like, how many of the grimoires and, like, ancient uh, spell books were intentionally written in a misleading way. Oh, perfect example. Michael Scott's leads. <laughs> the leads that Dwight gets his hands on when he tries to take all the clients back, right? And there's one of these leads, Dwight goes to, I believe he goes to the office to talk and talk this client into staying with Dunder Mifflin as opposed to going to like the Michael Scott paper company. And <laughs> he has a color coding system. And I remember there's green and red, right? So Dwight assumes green means go, you could talk about it. And so he mentions a family member and the, the client gets super offended. <laughs> they cut to Michael and he says green means go ahead and don't talk about that <laughs> so yeah uh, we need to be a little bit cryptic we need to make access to us less easy um, and this is not you know some people might say well this is new Scorpio paranoia here you go again blah 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 um, maybe maybe but not everyone who's watching you wants what's best for you and I will just leave it at that um, but overall I think that it's important to highlight these emotional spaces that we're in right this up and down that I've been feeling it's actually a really good thing right these moments that feel low are so good for us in the long run. The healing that needs to take place now, the lessons that need to be learned now, are preparing you for something else. What that is, I don't know. I would love to know. Trust me, every day I have to reconcile with the fact that I literally do not know what's going to happen. Anything could happen. And that was always the case. You know that there was a time that we all convinced ourselves. Oh, well, tomorrow I'm definitely going to do this. And next year I'm definitely going to be doing this. And then I'm going to be buying this house for sure. Uh, and then none of those things happen. <laughs> so have fun in the game. Feel all the feelings. Feel the sadness. Feel the pain. Uh, and one of the best exercises that I'm learning is to identify the, the sensation 
that we give, that we associate with a feeling, right? The kind of uh, uh, fear versus excitement thing. We've talked about this before. And feel it all alone at first, you know? Come to terms with the fact that those feelings are a message too. No matter how icky the sensation is in the moment. And I just want to end this by thanking everyone for being part of this journey with me, right? I don't know where it's going, but I know that I've gotten the real pleasure to interact with a lot of amazing, beautiful, wonderful, wonderful people. And I love you guys very dearly. And I hope this February just brings you so much love and joy and beauty and kindness and consideration. I will talk to you guys next time. Bye.